welcome to episode zero of the Knights of the Bantam podcast. I am Vox Princeps, aka Ryan, producer of the Knights of the Bantam Twitch stream, co-equal member slash manager of the Moth Daddy Co-op, and editor of the program to which you are currently listening. However you happen to find our program, hello! We're glad you came and hope you stick around to listen for a long time. Now, a little bit about the history and format of this show. The Knights of the Bantam is our flagship program that originally debuted on our Twitch channel in January 2021. As of the time of the recording of this intro, 14 episodes comprising our first season of the show were streamed to Twitch, originally running from January to June of 2021. Just so you're not sitting through the original three and a half hour sessions, each episode of this podcast feed will comprise either the front or back half of one of those original stream sessions, split roughly down the middle to correspond with the stream break. This will hopefully keep the podcast's episode length to a somewhat manageable sub-two hour length uh, for most episodes. We will also be editing the original stream audio where appropriate to cut down on pauses and technical hiccups. If you prefer to catch the original episodes in their entirety, we also make our VODs available on our Knights of the Bantam YouTube channel, link in the show notes. And just a heads up, this episode zero is something of an optional listen. If you'd rather just get to the main event, feel free to skip ahead to episode one. But stick around if you'd like to hear from our maker of dungeons, Zach, regarding the campaign and the world of Noct, as well as from our talented cast members and the characters they bring to life. But that's enough from me for now. I'll see you again at the end. Enjoy! Until the rooster banishes the night. This phrase came to me in a coffee-fueled fugue state, churning out hundreds of spooky Halloween copy inserts to spice up commercial write-ups for small businesses. I was at that moment scraping the barrel of my imagination for something scary. Perhaps in clearing out all the crofts that had taken up residence in there, I had made room for the world that those six words unlocked for me. I began to wonder if every nighttime became a deadly contest to reach the morning, what would people draw courage from? What beast would they emulate? What symbols would they hold up in defiance? A rooster, of course. Perhaps that smallest, fiercest breed, the bantam. What would it mean to suck the last vestiges of night air into your lungs and unleash a ferocious scream to herald the arrival of the sun? I wanted to find out. In order for that feeling of release and relief to be all that I imagined it could, though, I had to build a world worth fearing. And I didn't really engage with horror a lot. I found it too scary. So I began. Through comics and literature and movies and lived experience, I began to engage with things that really scared me. I'd always been captivated by the relentlessness of zombie horror and confronting monsters with familiar faces. Through zombie horror, I became acquainted with aspects of gore and body horror that really just clicked for me. And I found the slow boiling anxiety of gothic and psychological horror really gelled with some deep feelings inside of me. This cocktail stewed in my brain for a number of years, fermenting into the world of Noct. Twenty-one years ago, the moon exploded. In the wake of this lunar catastrophe, whispering night voices infiltrated the minds of all living creatures, a constant drone of the worst sorts of recrimination and invitations to violence. Those who succumbed to these voices were transformed, their own worst fears made manifest in their flesh. These creatures are the moon-touched, and it only took them one night to destroy the world. Now, survivors cling to the vestiges of society, wondering if anyone else is out there. 
They avoid the moonlight at all costs. They have lost the stars and quiet, cool places to dream. They eke out as much as they can from the land and the ruins of crumbled societies. That is, except for those courageous enough to face the darkness within and without. There are still those who know in their bones, no matter how terrible and long the night becomes, the morning will always come. It summons them forward, step by step, seeking a new dawn, any change, pressing against the weight on their shoulders. Though they know not if it can be lifted, they are unbowed. You can find them where people are in pain or in need. You can find them in the most dangerous places at the most deadly hours, screaming their defiance into the night. They call themselves the Knights of the Bantam. I'd like for you to meet them. Hey, I'm Martel, and I play Crit on Knights of the Bantam. I'm a Chicago-based actor. I do a lot of work on stage, but sometimes you find me on film or doing some voiceover work. Now, about Crit, he is a middling human, looks much like me, about average height, bald. You would call him a cleric in crunchy terms, but that's not necessarily a typical description of him. The, the first thing you'd notice about him is that he's a doctor and that he's super into old arty stuff. He um, has some very curious light magic that he uses and is connected to, I mean, I guess you can call it a god. Honestly, nobody's really figured out exactly what he's connected to in general. He's named after a musician of our time called Big Crit, who I think is pretty dope. And I felt like D&D ain't quite black enough, so I'm gonna instill some culture in it, whether the group likes it or not. <laughs> the main reason why I made this character is I feel like clerics are all, clerics sort of have a very cookie cutter essence to them, and I wanted to funk with that a little bit. And his overall driving goal is like, trying to instill a sense of bravery in the folks around him. Yeah, so that's Crit, and uh, hope to see you out there on the game. The name is Cygnus Starstruck, a circle of the stars druid, and in some parts they call me a pallid elf. Honestly, I'm not too certain of my age, probably mm, over 500, and I travel the world with my goose, Honk, 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 honk. <clears throat> Excuse me, my swan, Deneb, or Denny for short. Over my many, many lives, I've had Dobbs as a wise woman for small hamlets, soothsayer, herbalist, and even did a small stint in a wizard's tower. Never again. I went wherever the stars guided me. Though after the moon calamity, my only motivation was to find the Lunar Druids. You see, my daughters are the leaders of the Moon Circle, and I fear that they are no longer themselves. I need more than anything to restore the natural balance between land and sky before all the plants, animals, and humanoids are wiped from this existence. My human name is Kachel. It's like Rachel, but with a K. And in my free time, I like to urban forage, read copious amounts of sci-fi and anti-capitalist books. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at ScriptKitty.
I'm Jen, and I play Marcel Shepard. Uh, Marcel is a 22-year-old non-binary pal paladin who was born just a year before the moon exploded. They were born of Midling ancestry, and they were raised by their mother, who was a devoted druid of Canaan, and their father, who was an accomplished agriculturalist. At a very young age, Marcel's mother felt it was appropriate to socialize them into the Sentinels of Canaan. Uh, this was a new branch of Canaanism that had appeared in the fort after the moon had exploded. Um, so kind of like an offshoot religion. The main difference is that the Sentinels believe that the world is the way that it is now as a punishment. There were too many who disobeyed Canaan's natural order of the world, and this is the result. Marcel grew up in the fort, and they've never known anything else. Shy of ruins that litter the landscape just beyond the walls. Their father, Title Shepherd, was preoccupied with basic necessities and always posed as a neutral figure in Marcel's life. He was pretty vocal of not being supportive of Marcel's involvement in the Sentinels, but did ultimately tolerate it as it was a convenient way to keep Marcel out of trouble. Marcel's main forms of income mostly came from scrapping and odd smithing jobs with her dad, as well as a small apiary trade, mead, candles, and honey. They would also use these for tithes at the Sentinels. Marcel never found it easy to make friends. They kept themselves using their poverty as a shield to having to be vulnerable with other people. They did, however, connect with Adlin, who took an interest in them. Adlin spent countless hours over the last five or more years helping Marcel train to use a bee stinger that they had found out while scrapping. The bee stinger was historically a holy weapon of the Druid Queen's armies and is Marcel's most cherished possession. It wasn't long until Marcel realized an oath of ven vengeance through their faith to Canaan and through their desire to advance in the Sentinels. Above all, they seek to remove Moontouched and those who betrayed their goddess from this world. Knights of the Vantam is something I'm really passionate about, and I'm excited for you to learn more about this world and this story. But if you want to learn more about me, you can find me as Sloops on most socials. Thanks. Name, Pentanabit Yikiyiktu, also known as Tap. Class, Artificer. Ancestry, Gnomish. Equipment, Clip Clip, his mechanical horse things that he's invented thus far. Candles that can be used to shoot firebolts. A gauntlet with an extendable hand. A rod that can be extended and when attached to a surface will quickly pull the user away. A waistband that when pulled correctly, the ends will split and slap together, creating a thunderous sound. And a dope ass chain. So how did Tap end up at the fort? The time Tap spent before the shattering of the moon his arrival at Fort Summerwar is a bit of a mystery, even to him. The flashes of memory that he does have are a tangled mess of fear, loss, confusion, loneliness, and silence. Crushing silence. The last thing that Tap truly remembers before his arrival is the derailing of his dawn rail. The screeching of twisted metal, 
the screams of realization that nothing will ever be the same. Confusion, uncertainty, pain. It's something that he tries not to think about. Until Nora showed up, Tap's only goal was to survive. He'd just about given up on his faith and any real hope that the world would ever return to what it once was. He's had dreams of one day riding on a dawn rail again, but never thought them a real possibility. Now that he knows that the dawn rails still exist, that true progress, curiosity, invention, that real magic still exists, there's very little that he won't do to get there, and even less to make sure that it stays running. Hello, my name is Ryak. I stream random stuff on Twitch. Handle is Ryak Reigns, R-Y-A-C-R-E-I-G-N-S. Uh, you can catch me there or hosting these hands on the Knights of the Bantam channel on alternating Tuesdays. Uh, I post pics to minis and my crafting projects to Twitter. Uh, you can follow me there, Ryak Reigns as well. All right, that's it. Bye. Hi, I play Zalorn Strebach, called Zal by his friends. He's an elven rogue of the scout archetype, having hunted in his mother's hunting party since his adolescence. As he grew into adulthood, his tribe's traditional composite recurve bow became an extension of himself. Compact and powerful, the bow gives him deadly reach, whether shooting crouched in the tall grass of the steps from atop a charging horse or upside down mid-acrobatic leap. Zal also wields the Stravaki short sword, the short wide blade a dexterous everyday tool as well as a pinpoint weapon. When he left his tribe to join the Ektalan army, his aunt gave him her shield, painted with the five animal constellations that protect his people, that they would continue to protect him. And his best friend Tyr gave him a wooden scabbard for his blade, intricately carved with geometric patterns, patterns that Zal occasionally traces with his finger when deep in thought or anxious. Zal hails from the steppelands of Ektal, traveling up and down the Kalzi River with his nomadic tribe, the Stravaki. Their trade migrations taking him from the Kalzi Delta near Kalbru in the north, all the way down to the Ektalan capital of Zakhal. As far east as Janisthal and as far west as the Akismu Sea. He learned to hunt from his mother Mira and how to cook from his father Beric. Though he is elven, his tribe is a kaleidoscope of races and humanoids. Before the moon shattered, the Strabaki were used to picking up merchant wagons and traveling families. Sometimes their traveling companions would part ways after reaching their destination. Sometimes families would find greater wealth in the Strabaki bonds they'd forged on the way than in the markets they had originally sought. And so the Strabaki tribe would grow. After the moon shattered, the open grasslands that had given the Stravaki freedom filled with threatened danger. Zal joined a small faction of his tribe who believed their survival lay within the walls of one of the great Ekdalan cities. Eventually, he and a piece of that faction decided to leave, hoping to negotiate a new home among the cramped Ekdalan Empire. His parents, heartbroken, stayed with his tribe. He went to Jamisthal, the nearest of the Imperial cities. At first rebuffed at the gates of the already crowded city, he demonstrated his preternatural skills with his bow and was able to negotiate sanctuary for his companions by agreeing to serve in the Imperial army. He didn't know they would deploy him to the eastern border fort of Summer War until he'd agreed. He hasn't seen a member of his tribe since. While serving, his company was attacked by creatures that first appeared to be wolves, but as the moon rose, turned into monsters. 
Zal was the only survivor, having hidden the darkness of, a, of the caverns of a ravine. He returned to Fort Summerwar the next morning, babbling of wolves and nightmares. Zal has been out of the world for five years. He didn't understand what was going on then and it shattered him. He spent the last few years putting himself back together in a sanatorium. As the memories of his terrible night returned, he realized that he couldn't hide from the world any longer. When a group of kind adventurers came looking for a guide back to the ravine, he knew he had to face the terror that had nearly destroyed him. Even if he's never whole again, even if his tribe is lost, even if madness finally takes him, he'll save who he can, trying to stop what happened to him from happening to anyone else for as long as he can. Hi, I'm Chris Walsh. By day I work as a software engineer, by night I roll the dice. I went to school for writing and dream one day of finishing a novel. In the meantime, you can follow me at, at Walshification on Twitter or in our Discord. Hey, it's Vox again. Just a couple more credits and notes before we sign off. Some of the music you'll hear used throughout the show's run, including our bangin' intro theme, has been created by Freestraws, one of our collaborators. We also make liberal use of Epidemic Sound, which is a great resource for streamers and content creators. On the visual front, the stream intro video and many of our overlays have been provided by Werewolf, another of our collaborators. And of course, much thanks and many props to our Knights of Social Media, who have been killing it with the promotion of this show. They might just be the reason you're listening to us. Now, if you're interested in learning more about us and what we do, Moth Daddy is a socialist collective of tabletop role-playing game enthusiasts, players, designers, and dreamers. A few of us got together in early 2020 and started talking about building a diverse community of talented folks who could share knowledge, build skills, and help uplift each other's projects. Then a global pandemic happened, and, well, we kept going. It just had to be a little bit more virtual than we initially planned. <laughs> but honestly, working with this group is what kept me sane, staying inside for a whole year. If you like what you found here, we've always got plenty of projects in the hopper, including TTRPG variety programs, one-shots, and video game arcade corner segments on Twitch. We're also hard at work on debuting new long-form content in both visual and audio forms. If you'd like to join our creative community, the best way to start is to join our Discord, link in the podcast description. And if you're interested in supporting the Knights of the Bantam Project directly, please consider becoming a patron of ours on Patreon, and maybe follow us on Twitter. But that's all from me for now. You might hear my voice from time to time at the top of future episodes for various reasons, but it's all D&D from here on out. Happy listening, and as our dungeon maker always says, keep imagining things. A few of us got together in early 2020 and started talking about building a diverse community of talented folks who could share knowledge, build skills, and help, if, help, help, help me. Just help me in general. Jesus.